Welcome back to the podcast. I'm loving these episodes. Hopefully you're enjoying them as much as I am. This is a slightly different approach. As you know, I've done lots of different styles of podcasts from a daily podcast of just short reflections to weekly longer reflections to these interviews now and combining the, the two of great special guests and then also interviewing many of those heroes that have come to train with me as alcohol-free performance coaches or executive coaches because their stories are so powerful because I think most of us have our own hero's journey that brings us to that place of wanting to contribute and give back in many ways. So it's lovely to be able to share those shorter stories as well as part of this podcast. So I hope you're enjoying the format. Please give us a feedback. It makes a, a massive difference. Do follow and subscribe wherever you can and let your friends know about the podcast if you're enjoying it. That makes a huge, huge difference. And also don't forget do visit my website, andyramage.com. On there are loads of free resources that you can download. My whole 10x journaling system, if you're into self-development or journaling or you're new to journaling. Also, a free workshop about coming to train with me as a coach, like many people do, which is the thing that I do most of these days, is train great alcohol-free performance coaches, executive coaches, life coaches. And also, a seven-step guide to taking a break from alcohol or quitting alcohol, if you're interested in that. It's all free to download. It's all on my website, andyramage.com. When you sign up to any of those as well, you get an opportunity to get my weekly newsletter, a note from your coach, which is some coaching insight and wisdom dropped into your inbox every week. Alrighty, so this week's episode is with the ledge, Andy Delderfield. Andy D breaks all records for this podcast. I've had three different types of series and Andy's made an appearance now in all three. He's a great mate of mine, a brilliant coach, incredible runner, human being. And his story is just getting better and better to sit back and enjoy. Andy Delderfield, welcome back to the podcast. I think it's been three times, but after our full start, it's probably four times. <laughs> it is, yes. Good to be just, back. It is good to be back. And he's been on every series of the podcast I've ever released. And actually, we realized I think he was probably the first episode of the second series. And now, no doubt, will be very close to the first episode of the third series, which is going to be much more around uh, alcohol free and my sort of friends and contacts and connections and people that I'm inspired by, predominantly in the alcohol free space. And Andy's definitely one of those. And we reflected on the, the fact that we've known each other or been on each other's radar since sort of yeah since may 2018 just after my son turned 10 years old that was yes. i think that was part of the catalyst of the change um but yes yeah we were just how did i how did it kind of come about i suppose it was a the the, the, the internet search of, of asking the question did i have a bit of an issue with the booze um and the result was yes i suppose um yeah, yeah, and uh, five and a half years later, God, what's happened? What's changed? It's uh, it's yeah. been an adventure, as they say. Well, that's what I sort of wanted to unpick a little bit today, really, is to go through that story, and we'll build into the culmination of what you've been doing just recently, which is yeah. incredible, and some of the life hurdles that you've faced along the way as well, which have been, again, on a to the usual scale, would be considered huge. Yet here you are, smiling, and we're connecting in a completely different way. So let's let's wind back to 2018 what brought you yeah. to that point of thinking do you know what i might take a break from alcohol yeah i think i think as we we've, we've talked about many times before it wasn't that moment that that was the moment of change i suppose the seed was sowed or sown many years before where i was waking up on on the monday morning and telling myself that i needed to to, to look at my my alcohol intake i was very clear that i didn't have an off switch um i once i started i struggled to stop uh, and yeah, fell into the what we class almost as the normal normal weekend binge drinker. Yeah, it was the the grey area drinker as we talk about so often. Is um, yeah, from the outside probably didn't look like I had a problem, um, and even from the inside at times it wasn't that I had a problem. It was the it was starting to affect my day to day life, and that was relationships, family, work. I suppose was the main key areas and. I think I've been telling myself a long time that that I had to make a change. Um, I remember having conversations with my wife, Emma, sort of saying, I think the only way to deal with this is to stop. And she would often say, no, you just need to control it a little bit more. You need to have a soft drink in between. You need to do all those 
wonderful things that people that that can control their drinking and can moderate can do. Um, but sadly, I think like many of us that end up looking online maybe for help, um, that kind of word moderation isn't something we can really consider. And um, and I'm still very much in that 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 that, that view is that uh, yeah, five and a half years later, I never ever thought I would give up for this period of time. It was always a break. It was always a reset. Um, but once I'd climbed out of that jar and started looking in, um, for me, there really isn't, a, yeah, there, there's no turning back really now. Um, I've never, ever said never again. And I think I'm still probably saying that, but I'm getting closer to that. I, I just don't really see that there's a reason why I would drink. And I think that's the beautiful place to get to uh, further along the line when you get to that stage where you just can't see an event, a reason um, why I would drink alcohol again. So. I love it. And that is the story of, I think, so many people, isn't it? We come to this through to take a break or regain control. And very yeah. often we meet with that lovely, well-meant wisdom from loved ones and friends and colleagues, such as, why don't you just drink less? Yeah. That lovely advice that, that for yeah. them, and this is what I love about psychology and the way the human brain works, we've all got our own map of the world based on our past history, our beliefs, our relationship with alcohol, what it actually does to us. And therefore... Yeah other people treat alcohol completely differently because they're wired up totally differently. But through their map of the world, it makes perfect sense to just cut down a bit or drink a water in between. Like that makes perfect yeah. sense to them. Come Unfortunately, on. that advice doesn't translate often to other people because we're totally unique and different. Yeah. And, and I think our relationship and our past history with alcohol is totally different. And therefore that led us into a space where actually it wasn't serving us. And those type of, you know, well-meant advice just, didn't work. So the best thing to do no. like did is take a break. And I think that's what a lot of people do with that intention of regaining, I'm doing air quotes, control. Yeah. And then you can drink yeah. like everyone else. But yeah. then you get on that adventure and you go, actually, there's something in this. I feel good again. I've got time. I've got energy. You know, and I, yeah. I think that's where the longer journey comes from, isn't it? And I definitely started in that mindset, which was that I was taking a break. I think I did. God, I still remember because we have talked about it as in I did the, the 57 days, I think, off the bat and, and managed to to do that and then was like oh, I've done 57 days now I can I can I let's let's try and I did and it was the summer and it where it was okay well I'll just have the odd one or I'll, I'll only drink on particular times I'll set the rules very quickly I found myself falling back into the old habits very quickly um and then did another stint of 120 days so so potentially got to where the real magic lies and and, and got to that point but still couldn't disassociate it was Christmas uh 2018 and I drank on Christmas day because the it's so ingrained in us isn't it that those moments those celebrations have to go hand in hand with alcohol and even after yeah taking quite two quite cons considerable stints off I still couldn't change that kind of social habit of, of what our society tells us that, that that we should be doing I suppose and um yeah it took another two months and the end of February 2019, I had my last drink. So, uh, wow. And I really haven't haven't looked back since. Really, it's uh, yeah. And what was different that time? What was different between the last time and the other two, where you take decent stints away from alcohol? And I think that's probably refreshing for people to hear because they might look at you now as this uber ultra running god-like figure there's a, there's a big statement um it is and they might jump to the conclusion oh well he's probably one of those you know willpower you know warriors that finds this stuff yeah. easy right that's why he can run marathons and run ultra marathons and he probably just like made a decision and it was done but it's quite refreshing to hear though like everyone else even though you took a long while to get there then there was a decent yeah. stretch followed by you know a departure from the wagon or a learning point or a blip as i like yeah. to call it so what was different in that last time uh, well um i think it was the realization that that there was just more to this than giving up alcohol as in the the giving up of of the habit or the giving up of 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 the drug i suppose the the thing that i'd used to yeah numb the feelings for so many years i've been drinking since i was 14 i didn't know who that person was i didn't know who andy was without alcohol and I think that first nine months, I had to unpack a lot of stuff um, that I, I I did a little bit of, 
but it was in the March of, of, of 2019, where actually, I don't know if you're gonna give you a huge amount of credit here, Andy, is that I came on your mastermind course um, and started that personal development journey, as in the journey of discovering myself and learning who I was, what I wanted to be, starting to set goals, starting to, to realize there was more to this life than, than what I'd experienced up, up until that point. And um, yeah, so it was the unpacking or the beginning of the unpacking during that first nine months, but then actually learning the skills of how to deal with that and how to deal with this new clarity, how to deal with this control, how to deal with the time, how to all those things of how to, to change your life because actually it's so much more than just giving up alcohol, isn't it? As in it's what then comes next. And so the difference was, was being given the tools to be able to manage that. And once I started to build on that, there was this kind of, yeah, this new world that became in front of me, which which was that I could start to consider doing, doing, doing anything really. As in, if I, if I could be consistent over time with my actions, then I could start achieving wonderful things, and uh, yeah. So, so I think that was what changed in that in, in in that February was that I came on a course and started going down a self development journey, which I really haven't stopped since. So yeah, and that's that aligns with with where I went with it. Really, that was the bit that clicked. It was like, oh, I've got this time, but what do I do with that? Yeah, I've got this energy, but what do I do with that? I've got this clarity, but what what do I do with that? And we we all want those things, but suddenly when we get them all at once. You described the, the world is almost overwhelming. Yeah. It becomes unsettling, unnerving, even though they're all really good things. More yeah. time, more energy, more clarity. It's like, this is new. This is fresh. I, I don't know how to manage my mind without yeah. whacking it over the head with a few drinks all the time. I'm constantly on the go. How do I, like, what do I do with all this time that I've got? I haven't nurtured hobbies or interests. Very often we've lot, let a lot of those things fall sure. to the wayside because alcohol's got into our life and it's just elbowed them all out so i think that self-development part or piece is so important because then that gives us some tools and techniques and ideas to actually start to fill that time to use that clarity to start to reinstall our old hobbies and interests find out who we are underneath i mean you described it there yeah. brilliantly like you never really got a chance to find out who you were until that moment that's that's a massive discovery but also it can be filled with trepidation and fear and concern about what if I change, you know, and how did yes. you feel about that change, you know, as you started to become or re-become who you were? Well, I still believe I'm on that change. I don't think yeah. uh, I'm still, I'm going to use your lines as I'm only just warming up and I still believe that, that I've still got a lot of work to do. I don't, I don't, I don't think it ever ends, does it? I think, I think we, we end up, yeah, re yeah, looking looking at ourselves more and, and evaluating where we've come. I still struggle in many areas of my life. I'm certainly not perfect, but I know I'm not driving for perfection anymore as well. So that helps. Um, but yeah, as in as in, it's 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 a difficult process. I, I, I think it's it, it's not easy. Um, but life isn't easy, is it? As in, it's full of curveballs. It's full of, of of things that come at us. And just because of we're alcohol free doesn't make those those events any easier. Um, they make them more manageable, I would say. And we, 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 yeah, because of the space and the clarity and actually being able to turn up day on day, you can deal with those moments so much better or you can be present for those moments so much better. Um, where I think a lot of people maybe get through these things, but they're very not in control of that. They're kind of bumbling their way through and they manage and they get by. And it's, it's not saying that everyone who drinks is failing in, a, in, in any way. And, and as we said, many people have total control over their alcohol consumption. But I think many of us get to that kind of late 30s, early 40s, and yeah, something changes. And uh, and that was really what happened to me. It was, But I didn't think alcohol was the whole crux of it. <laughs> so I didn't believe that by giving up, so much would happen, so much would change. So Yeah, and I think yeah. so many people find that, you know, alcohol's the last rock, that they even lift yeah. up, you know, in, in their yeah. quest for change. I think there's that unsettled feeling very often happens yeah. at some point in our life for whatever reason, where you just know something's not quite right, not quite aligned. And we go on that quest. Very often that looks like exercise yeah. or nutrition or ice yeah. baths and all these wonderful yeah. things. That, But very often the last piece of the puzzle that people 
want to go and look under is the is the alcohol rock and then yeah. very often as joseph campbell says the cave you most fear to tread because i think it is that yeah. place for many people holds the treasure you seek and i think that's the case yeah. for you and i in a huge way so you lift really? the alcohol rock you get this momentum building you go on a longer stint you're building up in terms of self-development and then where does the adventure lead you well the yeah as in as in we, we, it was it was what did I want to spend the time on, I suppose. Where where yeah. did I see my energies needed to go? And it's multiple, as in it's, it's not just one thing. But um yes, initially it was it was business related, I suppose. It was it was getting my business back in line because it had fallen away a little bit and I needed to to do a bit of work on that. Um relationships have always been very high up on that list. Um and, and clearly my whys. For, for giving up alcohol we, we talk about it important to have your own personal wise and mine was definitely family kids um yeah I think that's the most challenging one for me still um I have to say I think as a guy a dad a husband um it's the one that that possibly I run away from still a little bit literally um and that I'm not facing as well as I should at times um, and I think with a lot of the kind of adventures and the things that I have ended up doing, which is a lot of running, as you know, um, is still kind of running away a little bit from some of my my big grown-up responsibilities as a dad and as a husband. Um, and I need to work on that more. But as in the big thing is, has been is my exercise. As in I was, yeah, after that nine months of blipping and slipping, I was 121 kilos I got to. So so after that nine months, I ate every single packet of Haribo, every cake, every big piece of sugar, as in it was just, I indulged massively. I rewarded myself with food, which has always been a bit of an issue for me as well. Um, and I got to 121 kilos in the December of 2018. I subsequently had my last drink two months later. And I'm now down to around, well, I'm, I'm around 88 kilos at the moment, um, kind of, I, I, yeah, after doing the latest ultra. So we're talking 33 kilos. Um, I'm down on where I was, which... What's that in stones? Oh, it's, and it's about, about, a five, about five yeah. stone, I think, something ridiculous five like that. Stone. Yeah, and I, and I definitely put weight on, but I was always one of those people throughout the whole of my life that was up and down with their weight. And as yeah. we know, that's... That's unhealthy as it is, as it's bad enough being overweight, but then fluttering in between can almost be worse to a degree. Um, and since giving up alcohol, as in I've been able to plateau my weight, it's taken me a while to get down to, to this, but I'm, I, I'm now, I don't go up and down anymore. I maintain a stable weight. Um, and I've made some massive decisions around that as well. I've been plant-based almost for three years now, 90% plant-based for around three years. I've still eat cake. <laughs> as a reward <laughs> carrot cake so yeah carrot cake yeah oh, that's um, technically all right then i think but, yeah, that's all right <laughs> um but it's all about those little choices isn't it and those changes um and all those little choices build up to, to a big change and uh yeah and the running yeah the running's clearly become I think a, a new addiction to a degree i think we could definitely turn around and say what's your did you replace one one thing for another yeah to a degree i probably did and and maybe that's my personality type um, we talk about the all or nothing um i was certainly all or nothing with alcohol and i'm certainly all or nothing with my running as well um but it's a it's changing it for a healthy habit isn't it as in it's it's i think habits are, are good aren't they as in they, if they're healthy habits and uh, and i think it's about building those yeah lots of small healthy habits result in great things don't they so Exactly. And just even jumping in there with regards, I think a lot of people that come to this alcohol-free adventure, I think they have that ability to hyper-focus, go all in on yeah. something. And I think in many ways, exactly that, it just gets misdirected at some point in their life, more through misadventure yeah. than often yeah. horrific trauma or something that, of course, you know, we do know through the research that often that can lead people towards uh you know uh, dysfunctional relationships with alcohol for example yeah. i think a lot of it can be genuine misadventure and then actually it creeps into our life and actually our focus is taken up by it and then when it's removed yeah. like we said that unsettled feeling if we can package that up and aim it at something else whether that be entrepreneurship whether that be our career whether that be showing up and shining on social media training as a coach or you know running yeah. 
And I think that's why you see so many people come to running and exercise and cold water swimming that have transformed their relationship with alcohol because I think they've got that ability to go all in on something. And I think if you point that in a healthy direction, that's a great thing. And and very often people do great things with that. And I put you into that category now, not only on an individual level, obviously you focused on running, but as that's blossomed, you've now started to create like the running groups that you're involved in as well. So maybe start to to introduce that into the story because that'd be nice. Yeah, that's a nice, I, I, so, so I did the, the the mastermind course with you. That was back in 2019, and then we I got to a year without booze, and then it was lockdown. And at that point, you were creating your own kind of yeah, thing with the mind body gym, which was a lead on from at the time was the office athlete course that then became the Retty Way course, and and that self development. So I redid that with you. And then built from there, carried on that self-development journey with you, with your learn, as in as you learn as well, which was a great experience yeah. for a couple of years as your learning learnings grew and you were sharing that with us. There was just so much more. That, 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 that was a great period there. And from that, I went and did my coaching course uh, with you. So I was on the the inaugural uh, Retting Way coaching course. Ever. There, so the OG cohort. Um, and I really went on that really as a my main objective with that was the continuation of the self-development that was a i just looked at the yeah the the the, the yeah what the course involved and the subjects we were covering it's like oh i can just learn more i can just this is just i, I want to sponge and, and just learn as much about to apply to myself more than anything else um but from that qualified uh, as a coach and then started doing some one-to-one coaching um really as a side hustle as has continued as that really just as something on the side that no real huge pressure to build that quickly um but in the process um yeah it was like well how can i combine so so i suppose before i gave up alcohol probably how would i have defined myself as a person um and alcohol would definitely be part of how i defined myself i was a drinker i was proud of that um that 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 was very much ingrained in me and then over time it's taken a long time um and especially in the public space to actually stand up and put my hand up and go i am alcohol free and i'm proud of that um and i want to share that with people uh it it took a long time to 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 really get to that because the stigma around it still is is is, it's a lot of negativity around it and i think we we get placed in that as soon as we start talking about it that we're we're almost preaching about it and there's that, that kind of a, a, a evangelical I can't say the word what we evangelical kind of yeah. tone to what the message is um and very much it's not that and I, I don't believe that everyone on this planet needs to be alcohol free um actually in my opinion I, it's up to the individuals if they want to take a break from alcohol which is the way we kind of put it these days is it's take a break, take 100 days and, and see where you end up. And then you've got the information to make that choice. But if you've never taken 100 days, how do you know what that other choice is like? How do you know what it looks like and feels like? So it was how I could then bring that a little bit more, yeah, into what I was doing. So, so yeah, so it was my passion was being alcohol-free. My passion was running. So bringing those two things together ended up with Alcohol-Free Runners, um, which is a community that we started in... Just May last year, so it's only been 18 months um, since we started it. It's, it's a free community space at the moment. We've got just over 400 people in there, which is lovely. Um, and really, that's a space where I can feel comfortable about sharing my running activities, um, where I can shout about being alcohol-free. And, uh, and from that, we've developed, um, we're on our third course now, where we're, we're taking groups of amazing alcohol-free warriors normally through uh, running courses, whether that be building towards a half marathon, a marathon, or our current group is uh, doing a 10K. Uh, so we're, we're, we've got a 10K group running over the, the hardest time of the year, December, January, to run through the Christmas period uh, with the aim of them all uh, running a 10-kilometer race at the end of uh, end of January. So, uh, yes, that's that's what we're doing in that space. And it's building, as in it's, 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 it's kind of, at the moment, um it's still very much in its infancy of where we can take it but but the hope is that we can run yeah help people become alcohol free through that space as well um as well as the running and 
and connection is obviously so important for for people on this journey mainly because it's very difficult necessarily to find it in their day-to-day -day life so having online communities is great and um so uh the group that we did the last half marathon group we we all finished in amsterdam and did the amsterdam half marathon so I, we had 10 of us there three of us did the marathon seven did the half marathon and completed that 12-week training together with actual total connection and immersion with each other which was just wonderful and, and brilliant to be part of so uh, that's the kind of aim going forward is to do more Love of that. that yeah and it's it's wonderful to hear because i think that's been my approach to this all along is to try and come at this from lots of different angles so the fact that having an alcohol-free running group is bringing people into the alcohol-free space giving them that focus to work on come together as a team then meeting in the real yeah. world to run the races and that connection of, of you know that that human bond of alcohol free warriors i think as you described them yeah. is pretty powerful you know and i think that again just gives more variety and options for people to step into the space and do something a little bit different and channel that time and energy into something that's ultimately healthy and and good for yeah. them and it's so beautiful that you're a part of that and i can see that growing and growing and now obviously as someone in many ways who's at the, the the sort of the vanguard of the whole running movement because your running story has evolved and evolved and it went from marathons whilst you were drinking and then you stopped drinking yeah. and there was the sort of the, the one of the great moments that I'll share was that we had a self-development group called the Mind Body Gym that Andy mentioned earlier but um when Andy was running the London marathon the last it was probably about 500 meters wasn't it you decided to it was yeah turn it the Facebook live <laughs> on so we did a yeah. Facebook live into our group, but there was this really emotional, oh, I'm going to bat it back to you in a second, Andy, but for, for me watching it, it was one of the yeah. best glimpses into a sporting event because growing up and uh, around the London Marathon, I love that as a, as a sporting event and many you know friends and family have run that race. But where Andy actually filmed that last 500 metres and the emotion of it, because you don't get that yeah. you know, with the, the cameras or even watching it, you don't really quite notice it. Whereas Andy put the live on and just run with the the phone. And it was one of the best sort of insights into a sporting event I've ever had. So Andy, maybe even just talk us through that that little bit before we step into some of the other running feats. Yeah, well, one of one of the things I've I suppose I started doing was was oversharing, I suppose, with, with my running. <laughs> but and it, and it was very much to to show, I, I, and I still very much class myself, I am just a normal guy. I, I am not a superhero. I've, I've made some choices in my life that's resulted in me being able to do these things. And I feel very lucky and grateful that my body at 48 is still allowing me to do it. And it's, yeah, this kind of normal guy doing potentially extraordinary things. I don't necessarily, and within the running community, I'm not extraordinary at all. There's loads of people doing much more extraordinary things than I am. But I don't think what they don't do is they don't share it on the same level, because I think there's generally this fear of failure. Yeah, there's, there's this kind of, if you share, if you tell people that I'm going to run the London Marathon and then I mess it up, you've got to own that. Yeah, you've got to, got to deal with that. And I, but I've definitely taken the, the, the stance that, that by sharing, I can inspire other people and to show that I am a normal guy. I do struggle to get up in the mornings. I don't jump out of bed at 5 a.m. and have a, a morning miracle. I'm, I, 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 I get out and get, get my trainers on and get my running in, but often that's a struggle. It's often that there's a fight. There's often resistance. All those things that everyone else faces. And by sharing that, it just shows that I'm fairly normal, but I can do this. Um, being alcohol-free is core to that because it means that I can be more consistent and I can turn up uh, more often. But that's sharing it. So I suppose that day in London, I'd shared into our group my training, the process of getting there. I'd broken my toe five weeks before London. I'd shared that. It, look, it looked like it wasn't going to happen, that I was even going to get to the start line. I, I'd shared the, the journey to get there because I think it was important to do that, for, to, to inspire others. So actually the day didn't work out as it was meant to time-wise, primarily because I had a broken toe <laughs> um, and that I hadn't finished my training properly because of that. And I think I got within the last kilometre, I, I, I was broken I was ruined I put everything out there but I wasn't going to get the time I wanted and it was just like I just felt like I don't wanted to share that moment um so just put, put it on live 
and uh, yeah, and, and just run over the line. And there was there was tears because I'm I wear my heart on my sleeve. I still very much do. Um, and I think men being vulnerable is also core to the message that I try to convey that that actually sharing the crap bits as well as the good bits is really important. And uh, yeah, and it was it was an amazing moment for me to be able to do that and 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 to to, to share that into that group because and I think as a result of doing that i went back the year after to london and from our group in the mind body gym i think there was 10 of us running that london marathon and and i was able to share that experience in real life with a group of people that i'd inspired the year before which just showed that ah we talk about meaning and purpose don't we we talk about getting aligned with that and being able to give back and then actually see it happen um and I still get messages now telling me, thank you so much for getting me to that that point. I never, ever thought I'd do it, but you inspired me kind of thing. And that is what I want to continue. That's what I want to, that's what I have realized I can do um, and continue to share that message. Yeah. And it's the power of vulnerability, isn't it? That we're not perfect. And that yeah. for me in watching that live was just, you know, you were broken, as you said, you were tears, you hadn't achieve what you want to achieve the training hadn't worked out you were sort of limping yep. through it and to see that you know that sort of pain and, and ecstasy at the same time of still finishing and crossing the line and you shared yeah. it as you say with so many people and then it inspired so many people that yeah. believed if Andy can do it so can I yeah and I think that's the the gift that you have and I think that's what hopefully it's something that I'm able to do as well like it feels like it's a normal person on the end of the live or the end of the podcast. And I think that's what's really inspirational. As much as it's lovely to see these uber sort of elites at times that feel otherworldly, it's hard to relate because you look yeah. at them and go, well, that's that's not me, that's impossible, right? But when it's someone yeah. that you're looking at that's a 48-year-old guy or girl that sort of has a similar background to you, struggling yeah. with it, and they're still achieving it. It's like, oh, it's a bit of a wake-up call. It's like, well, yeah. oh, actually, if Andy can do it, then maybe I can. So I think yeah. that's way more powerful than you know the sort of Photoshop perfection. I think that's the ability that you have. That's why you inspired so many people that year, and now that's blossomed into your group, which is alcohol-free runners, which I love. It's such an incredible yeah. group of people coming together to inspire each other. And now your journey continues to unfold as a normal guy showing up and dealing with life's issues as well as you know, focusing on this beautiful outlet, uh, your meaning and purpose, which is running and inspiring people around that. Yeah. So let's talk about that in a bit more depth and detail. London's done, and then you're moving towards something that looks yeah. slightly more adventurous, which is your ice ultra. And then in between there, there's some big life obstacles, which leads you to where I want to go, which is the pinnacle mm -hmm. of what you've just uh, achieved recently was this incredible ultra marathon out yeah. in Africa. So yeah, let's, let's continue um, with the story. Yeah, well, there was more marathons um, and more adventures. And like you touched on there, I did the uh, my first multi-day kind of event in uh, in Sweden in February 2022, uh, which was a yeah yeah basically a 230-kilometer foot race uh, across the Arctic Circle, um, which I completed and yeah really enjoyed that process and, and and that and then more marathons followed I, I ran in Paris I think after that broke my PB so so did well there and then oh, I think I had another London um yes I had London marathon uh just over 12 months ago so in October 2022 is that right yes only, only 12 months ago and I went into that marathon um with a slight curveball starting to happen which was the i think i've touched on it before that obviously i've given up alcohol I've decided to go plant-based so i'm i'm controlling what i'm putting in my body I'm, I'm focusing on what i've got control of i'm dealing with yeah yeah being much more aware of that and kind of going there's loads of stuff i don't have control of in my life but let's focus on what i can be and clearly alcohol was one of those food was another um, and it was like the what, what was the next part of that that puzzle really and it was I can take control of my health so I can instead of waiting for, for maybe something to go wrong and then deal with it there was a bit can I be proactive in my health how can I how can I do that and I and I went and had a medical uh, in September last year 
um, which was, yeah, that was the first kind of step of it. And if I'm really honest with you, Andy, it was a bit of a, I'm going to have this medical because I'm going to get this full bill of health and I'm going to get told that I am amazing. <laughs> and the ego was going to be fueled a little bit, um, which it was because everything else was great. And, and I was, I did come back pretty much with a clean bill of health. But part of the, the medical, I was 47 at the time, a little bit early to, to have the test, but I had a, a PSA test, um, which is uh, basically a precursor. Well, it's a, it's a, a, a screening test for prostate cancer. Um, not thinking that that was anything that was going to come back from that, but it, it came back that my prostate was enlarged. I then had an MRI scan, something suspicious on there, and it ended up with a biopsy just the February just gone. Um, and uh, yeah, I got diagnosed with, with 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 prostate cancer, which was clearly a massive shock um, and wasn't the idea of the health check. But actually, it was exactly the idea of the health check, which was to be proactive about my health and to to beat the symptoms. If there was anything wrong to get in, to, you know, yeah, get, get there before that. Um, I've subsequently gone through my treatment and, and everything. I'm, I'm in a bit of a waiting game now. It's, and I, I only finished my treatment in October. Uh, so only just over eight weeks ago. And um, I'm waiting now. It's going to take a little while to find out whether the, it's all gone away and it's all okay. But uh, which is, which is a challenge because it's challenging my mental strength, my resilience in, in multiple ways. But um, I know that I can get through this because I also put myself into positions where I test my mental strength and resilience quite often. So not just with marathons, uh, but yeah. So. This is one of those life marathons, isn't it? In many ways that you have to control the controllables, which you said, especially when it comes to things like this, you were proactive in your health, expecting you know, the big pat on the back, which I'm sure yeah. you got outside of that. But as you yeah. said, the whole objective of that proactive health check is exactly that, right? You you want yeah. to find out something. Of course, it'd be nice to get the big pat on the back, but equally, you're ahead of the game now. What did the treatment look like, just so people know? Yeah, well, I decided it was a bit of a tricky process because there was two options. One was to remove my prostate entirely, which is really the, the medical go-to with cancer. If you can remove the organ that is in then remove it because it, it potentially gives better peace of mind and that you've, yeah, you've removed it all. Um, but for me at 47, um, the side effects of that were potentially not great and, and, and could be ongoing and consonants being really the main thing from that. Um, and and that, that, that scared me quite a lot. And then just even going through the procedure, it's called, radical prostate removal because it's a radical operation yeah as in it's, yeah. A, it's a major major operation um where they've got to cut things out is is close to obviously a male's sexual organs and all those bits and pieces so there's a lot that potentially could go wrong um so i looked at other options um and found that i could go down another route which is radiotherapy and a process called brachytherapy where they actually put a radioactive seed into the prostate they left it in there for 20 minutes and took it out. And the theory of that is, is it just blasts all the cancerous cells away, which is what I had done in October. Um, yeah, 10 days later, I ran the Amsterdam Marathon, maybe a little bit foolish. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then went to Africa after that. Uh, the way my body's feeling at the moment, that could have been a bit foolish too. But we must do these things. <laughs> yeah, so this is the backdrop to where I was going. Not only did you have this shock of a, a diagnosis of cancer and then you're getting it treated you're also yes. preparing and training for what is the greatest race adventure of your life yes. which you've just come back from so tell us about how that unfolded and that adventure yeah but it was um yeah i, I when i did the ice ultra I actually looked at, so, so this is the same company that I did the ice ultra in and they do a number of different races. And, and one of the others was a desert ultra. And I remember going, I'll never ever go to a, do a desert race because the ice was fine because you could just put layers on to warm up. But when you get hot, you can't cool yourself down. And, and I remember telling myself that 18 months ago and then somehow along the line, I end up entering the, the desert ultra just, this was post, this was after, I'd had my diagnosis and it was actually around the time where I decided on what treatment I was going to have. It was almost, I think I felt that I needed a goal as well as beating cancer. 
I needed something to focus my mind on. And I knew how important the running had become to my mental health. And I know how important it is to have a goal in my diary. So I literally, yeah, I booked the Amsterdam Marathon, which we then did a group training course for, which was great to focus my mind for that period. Um, and that was followed a couple of weeks later, we go to Africa. So it was five days, 250 kilometers, um, ended up being a bit further, but across the Namib Desert in Namibia, which is the old, oldest desert in the world. Um, and yeah, with, they told us, top temperatures of 53 degrees Celsius. I was, yeah, it's just marketing bump, and it? it's never going to get that hot. It won't get that hot. Um, it got hot, that hot three days out of the five, I think. It hit 53. Um, and was unbelievable, as in by far the toughest physical, mental challenge I've ever taken on. Um, yeah, by 20 kilometres in, I thought I was it was all over uh, on day one. So I, I was ready at the second checkpoint, which I think was 24k in. I think I threw, I did, I, I took my rucksack off my back and threw it onto the floor and was just like, I can't do this. There's no way I can get through this. My body is not meant to be in these temperatures. Um, and that's but, just just 20 k's yeah. into the first first race yeah. starts 20 k's in backpacks off almost yeah you know, i give yeah, up 12, 12 midday on the first day yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I was done what what, what what was i even thinking i think yeah. that's pretty much what was going through my head who the hell do i think i am so we talk about yeah imposter syndrome oh it was it was it was yeah raging um in the who did I really think I was to come here? Yeah, I, I, and I've told all these people and I've shared it all the way through and I've got to, yeah, yeah, the second checkpoint on the first day and I'm, and I'm ready to, yeah, just, 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 just give up really. Um, but I was brought back to life by the medics on that checkpoint and they, yeah, I had dehydration. I had the beginning of sunstroke. Um, yeah, my body wasn't working on a cellular level, basically, because it just didn't have any enough salts in it to be able to function. I didn't manage the bits I needed. The manager at that point didn't have enough understanding of what I needed to do or how my body was going to react, because you can't plan for these events. I, I live in Spain, where it gets to 35 degrees in the summer, but, but I go out running before the sun comes up and I finish when it's getting a bit warmer, but I didn't tend to run too much in it because I hate running in the heat. I don't know what I was thinking going in the first place, but got through that and just kept on going and with each day there was uh there was just so much learning and so much um of what what we've done on on the whole personal development side it was applying a lot of that learning it was changing expectations it was um yeah looking at my beliefs of how i believe my that, that, what, what i could do it was who was i doing it for was i doing it for other people or was i doing it for myself and I, I was doing it for myself. Yeah, that, that was the core thing. And it didn't matter what other people thought, but that whole comparison piece and then, yeah, yeah, looking at what others were achieving and that I couldn't do it. And oh, there was just so much there that I had to go through. Plus the fact that I had this huge excuse to give up through the whole of it, which is that I'd only had surgery on my prostate because I've got prostate cancer just six weeks before. And that was having that reason there. No one would have even questioned me giving up because I had a good enough reason. So the, the, the mental battle with that through the whole of it as well. And yeah, shouting at myself and having big conversations. <laughs> and what is really important about this is that, again, while you're a normal person, it's really important for people to hear. A lot of people will assume that to get through something like that, you need that consistent mental fortitude i.e. that unbreakable spirit that you are just going yeah. to like battle through whatever comes into your mind. And actually you gave up effectively after 20 kilometers, like mentally, that's it, you know, toys out of yeah. brand kind of moment. Oh, yeah. Who am I? What am I doing? This is just completely ludicrous. Medics brought you back to life, you know, skillfully. Um, and then you start to build a bit of momentum. Your mind still... Yeah against you like you say you've got a whopping yeah. great big excuse just to give up yet you keep going what kept you going this is the bit that i'm fascinated by right because in theory you you've gone to that place where you think there's no coming back from that mentally but somehow you keep going yeah um i kept going as in i there is there is a pleasure 
a very sadistic pleasure of going into that pain cave. And yeah. I think we we talk an awful lot about stepping outside of our comfort zone yeah. um, and going into that fear zone and, and putting yourself there. Clearly not everyone has to go to a desert to get there. Um, and I probably don't really need to go to a desert to get there, but it's a, it's a, a fast track route to get there. Um, is putting yourself in these very crazy situations. And so I think, how did I keep on coming back from that? Because I know that I've got to go there to grow. And every time I got close or every time I went there, there was learning there. There was, there was an education piece surrounding every time. And whether that was just the actual learning of my admin, that I need to take on more water, that I've got to manage my situation better, but actually that I could go there and come back. And I don't think we can underestimate, this is this is all about life skills, yeah? This isn't about the skill of what I learned by going to the desert. It's about the skills that I've learned through life that I can apply to being in the desert. And then when I come back from this, the skills I've learned in the desert that I can then apply to my normal life. And we talk about resilience. Resilience is clearly key to this, as you've got to be very, very resilient. You've got to keep on wanting to, to to go there and to try and beat it and and that's what i kept on doing and and it wasn't all dark there was there was magical moments as well there was moments of, of complete joy and and just the feeling of accomplishment that was just unreal um i had to to get out of my head that this wasn't a running race in the end that it was a it was a foot race across a desert and with a bit of running mixed in but a lot of walking but that's hard as a runner just to deal with that element, to, to, to kind of process that and go, I can't do what I came here to do. Um, but changing expectations, I, it's, it's a big one for me that these days that, that being able to do that is is core to, yeah, your happiness, isn't it? And, and, and finding joy. Um, and that flexibility and that you've found in, in your mindset to, to reframe it. It's a little bit like blipping in the alcohol free space, isn't it? Where... It's not quite working out, but yeah. there's there's some learning in there, you know, and that's yeah. what what shines through when you speak. That for all those moments, it was like, all right, what can I learn from this? How can I be better yeah. from this? How can I adjust? Yeah. How can I adapt? Given the circumstances, right? I want to run, but I can't run, so I'm gonna, gonna have to walk. What does that yeah. look like? You know, how am I gonna adjust my nutrition? How am I gonna adjust my hydration? What can I learn from the moments that I'm yeah. really suffering and there's pain? And yeah. that's what I'm hearing shining through. And like you say much of that is picked up by getting outside your comfort zone, but it doesn't have to be in the yeah. desert. That could be no. your alcohol-free adventure or your self-development adventure or that challenging thing at work. It's that kind of real-world resilience that you're talking about, yeah. I think. Yeah, and it's and, and the, the, the big thing was with, with the events is that, that it was 250 kilometres over five days, but it wasn't spread evenly over those five days. So the last day was 92 kilometres on the last day. And through the whole process, I could, from, from getting to 20 kilometres on that first day, I could not get my head around how I was ever going to cover 92 kilometres in these conditions in a day. It just wasn't possible. And I spent a lot of time doing the maths in my head of working out what pace did I have to go at to get to there? How, how could I do it? If I, if I was moving at this pace, I wouldn't make it. I wouldn't get there in the time. And there was a cutoff time that we had to get to 70 kilometers by 7 p.m., um, which yeah became a massive thing in my head, especially on that day. And I was able to get through the four days. It became, it became on day one, two, three, and four, it became all about the only way I can finish this is if I get to the beginning of day five in one piece. That was all that I had to do. So it didn't really matter how long it took me to get to, to day five. It didn't matter what place I was within the field. It didn't matter how fast, how slow. It was all about getting to day five in one piece. And I got there in one piece. And what I was able to do, we started at 4 a.m. in the morning. So it was cooler when we started. I was able, after doing 154 kilometers, my feet were swollen. I had multiple blisters on my feet. I was getting cramps. I was struggling in so many places. But somehow, on day five, my alarm went off at 2 a.m. in the morning. I got out of bed. I put my happy face on because I was going to do it. It was all going to happen. And I was able to somehow run 
for the first 35 kilometers that day after not being able to really run very much at all because of the pain in my feet and, and loads of issues. But I was able just to believe. And I just, all I, all I said to myself, I have to just bank the time, bank the time. The more I can run in the cooler weather, I can bank enough time that I will get to checkpoint seven. I've only got to get to 70K. That's all I've got to get to by 7 p.m. And I managed to do really, really well. An amazing morning. Got these 35 kilometers done. But then the next 35K to, to that checkpoint seven, oh, it was um, it was horrendous. It was it was it was so so hard. And I ended up getting there. I, I actually ended up getting there with 40 minutes to spare, which wasn't too bad. But at one point, I was thinking I was going to get there with two hours to spare, and the time just slipped away as the day progressed. And I got to 60k, the checkpoint of 60k. Um, I pretty much collapsed at that checkpoint, not believing that I could move another. Yeah, just couldn't get any further. They, I thought I was quite coherent, but I was chatting, and the medic just grabbed my arm and said, "Andy, I want to put you in the van. You need some air conditioning. You're not quite right." They got me in the van. It's the first, the only time that I've been put in a, in a car in air conditioning halter. So I think that said where I was at at that point. And I started shaking, and I remember I was shaking. And the next thing, she, the, the medic had a yeah, heart monitor on my finger. She was taking my blood pressure, clearly very concerned about where I was at at that point. Um, but took on more water, took on more salts, had some food, took half an hour, 40 minutes, I think, at that checkpoint. Um, and, yeah, and we left there at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So I still had three hours to do 12K, which you'd think 12 kilometers in three hours easy and it took us an hour two hours and 20 minutes to do that 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 that, that 12k what's the heat situation um, as well so, at this point yeah as in it's at that point i remember walking up to that checkpoint six it really hit the hottest point i think in the day it was 53 degrees and we were in a gorge and it was one of those where it was every time you thought you were at the top of the hill you got over the top and it just went on again and went on again and uh yeah as in you couldn't breathe, as in the, the air was just hot. Well, yeah, so warm. Um, and what's and inside your your mind at this stage? You you pit that you know that checkpoint. You've basically taken forty minutes out to to recover and replenish. Yeah, and you've got to drag yourself back up yeah, that, we, that mountain in fifty three degree heat. Been 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 on my own most of the day, as in say on our own. We we the group kind of with I was with at the back of the field. There was like six of us. We all walked, did it all on our own that whole day, pretty much. Probably with, I don't know, a kilometre in between each of us. We all kind of all met up at checkpoint six. Everyone came in there and collapsed, pretty much. So all of us. So I actually ended up uh, connecting with one of the other runners. Um, and we did that 12K. I actually did the last 32K with him for that, that, that day, pretty much. Um, but it was just all about getting to that checkpoint seven, which we did. So we got there by 20 past six. Um, and then we had to leave there by one minute to seven. If we didn't leave the checkpoint, then we're pulled off the course. So that was that was the, that wow. was the deal. You had to be uh, there. So again, to leave there at one minute to seven. But the difficulty, I suppose, was is the mental game was all about getting to that checkpoint. Kind of forgotten that we still have a half marathon to get. <laughs> um the night the, the, the sun was setting at seven o'clock so the sunset stayed very hot still though uh and there was a group of three of us that, that we got to checkpoint eight which was 10k on in good spirits and then we had this last 12k to go and we spread out the three of us i kind of told them to carry on i'm now the last person out on the course so everyone else is ahead of me um and i don't know how i got through that 10k i really I really do. I do. Oh, we talk about as in our mental health and what we tell ourselves and that our beliefs, we're in control of our beliefs and all of that. And uh, which is very much a light bulb moment on my personal development journey was that I could change my beliefs and I could challenge my childhood beliefs and bits like that. But I'm still in the process of doing that. And I, and I still got a lot to deal with there. And it was very interesting in those last few kilometers what came through was my own critical self-talk and, and my negative self-talk that I have about myself. And it was all very much that I wasn't good enough. Who was I 
to be there. I'm last. Everyone's waiting for me, and I, I can't even run. Look how rubbish I am. This wasn't the plan to to come over this lot, the finish line. Hardly been able to walk. So there was this just this conversation of, of negativity that I went into, um, which you would have thought at that point when I I was on the edge of achieving this amazing achievement. The overwhelming emotion was negativity towards myself, which I think having that reflection now shows where I still need to do work on myself because I'm still overcritical. I still don't believe in myself enough. I still question who I am and all those things. And that was what really was, yeah, the re reflection at the end was that was instead of it being a celebration of me and what I'd, I'd achieved in that real dark, deep moment on my own in the dark, walking down a gorge at half 11 midnight after being out on the road for 20 hours on that last day i didn't celebrate i i i went into that deep dark hole in that cave of pain with the emotional pain that i clearly carry with me still and that's the reflection really is that sometimes you've got to go to these places to to, to discover that and to have that reflection don't you so yeah and maybe that's where you need to go and maybe that yeah. is something that you've worked on that that might not appear as much in your day-to-day -day living because you've put it yeah. into this little box now that lives yeah. in that pain cave and it's in there if you need it and I can go in there and get that and and maybe that critical voice then is one that actually is there to to inspire you on and maybe there's a bit of you that actually hears that and thinks you I'll yeah. show you who's yeah. so good and who's a loser when I cross this line in a minute because it's the chimp isn't it it's 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 the it's 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 my it's that inner inner critical voice which drives you, doesn't it? Because we we have to use it as a positive at times and and keep on trying to prove to it. But, but, but maybe that's the inner voice that I'm trying to prove to, isn't it? It is by doing these challenges. I'm 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 saying I am good enough. I am so it's it's that reflection of of, of my past beliefs that I've still got to work on and, and deal with, but it's yeah, and it's taken me to go to those places to, to, to dig it out again and to, 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 to realise, well, actually, maybe I'm doing these marathons and this running because I, I still I try to prove to myself that I am good enough. Um, hopefully one day I'll get there and I will believe. So, no, and that is a beautiful yeah. reflection because I think that is yeah. so addictive of so many people listening. And again, why your story is so relatable that, yeah, you've gone to that pain cave to see that, but ultimately mm. it is about you being enough and and being yeah. comfortable with you being enough and maybe that is the greatest race you never have run as yet is is that sense of where i am now yeah. waltz and yeah. all is enough and that's a really yeah. that's a really hard place to get to for most human beings i think we're always lacking or there's a sense that we're lacking in something and we never quite meet up to the standards that we set ourselves or we believe other people need to see of us when actually one of the most powerful things you can ever do is really get into that deep core yeah. part felt space of I am enough. Do you know whatever yeah. it is that shows up that that's me and all the marathons, ultra marathons, overcoming cancer, all those incredible things that you've done. And there's so many things you will do ever since are actually an icing on the cake or a cherry on the top to that like yeah. core belief that I, I am enough. And I think you're, you're very yeah. open and honest to, to share that because I think that's that work that, continually needs to be done and genuinely yeah. i feel that the people that leave a, a a legacy and live a, an incredible life are the ones that actually can channel both of those things you know they can be that shining light and they can do things that inspire normal people but they can also ground themselves in that yeah. gratitude that they are enough and i think that shines a new energy you see lots of people that are incredibly driven and behind them is a cascade of devastation Yes. You know, in their own life and in other people's life whereas the meeting of those two things which is the journey you're on I think you're getting yeah. closer and closer to that point is just beautifully inspirational you know it really is and I think many people listening would be so inspired by that story and I, and, and I remember when we shared this on Facebook you were telling me that we did this on a live and it was really fresh yeah. when it was the day after pretty yeah. much and as I was hearing the story someone had preempted me before we got on the call and said ask him what's yeah. next so we're having that lovely conversation. And then I just yeah. looked down in the comments and your wife's Emma, isn't it? Yes. 
Emma Delderfield. Yeah. I know it's Emma. Del- I've never met Emma, but obviously it's a distinctive name. And I just seen Emma put, don't ask him what's next. No. <laughs> just as I launched into that, it was too late. It was out. And then I looked down at the comments and went, right, it's too late now. And of course, you then describe what was next. So let's yes. let's have a little talk about that. Well, the the the, the company that I'm, I'm doing these races with is called uh, Beyond the Ultimate, and they have a global race series that they run each year, uh, which is made up of four races, which is the Ice Ultra Tick, Desert Ultra Tick, um, and then they do a Jungle Ultra, and they do a Mountain Ultra. But in addition to that, that, that's their global race series. They do this other event, which is um, basically in Kenya and is called For the Rangers. And the reason it's called For the Rangers is because all the money that's raised off this event from the registration fees and charity donations goes back to the Rangers that manage the game reserves in Kenya um, and work to obviously eradicate the poaching that happens. Um, so in September next year, the hope is that I'll be heading to Kenya to run that race. Um, kind of set up in my head that I could possibly run it, but we'll see. Um, it's a little bit easier in the fact that it's 230 kilometers over five days again, but because you can get a, eaten by animals in the dark much easier than during the day, you have to run during daylight hours. So it's from uh, dawn to dusk each day. So you can only have so far you can go in these time periods. So I think the longest day is 48 kilometers. Uh, the so, you, so you flippantly say it's easier and then drop in the sort of bombshell you could get eaten by a wild animal well hopefully not <laughs> i don't think they've lost anyone yet so um, not. i'm good no not that no, 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 not that i'm not sure time, you want to be last in that race though do you you no. don't want to be like trailing out the back like the exactly. gazelle with a limp so not, but the rangers the, the rangers protect you so so they Brilliant. They, 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 there's helicopters, planes up. They're aware of the, obviously the dangerous animals in the area, and yeah, they protect you through the race. And it's meant to be, as in from a running perspective, Kenya, clearly with the Kenyan long distance runners, is yeah. just a wonderful, wonderful place to go and run in. Uh, temperature wise, it's up to 34 degrees, not 53. So, oh, easy. a bit more manageable temperatures. And Bring I think a jumper. It, it just looks wonderful. So, uh, yeah. So the hope is, is I'll be doing that in September next year. So, and I've got London Marathon um, in April that I'm running for Prostate Cancer UK. So I'm raising money for for Prostate Cancer UK, which I've got a just given page um, for that. So um, yes, and we've raised a load of money for already from doing the desert. So the hope is we'll raise a load more money going into London next year as well. So. And on that prostate cancer, is there any advice around that for? anyone listening what is the the, the standard uh, advice oh it's a bit of a as in clearly after going through it um i've looked into what the screening is especially in the uk with family and friends over there um and basically the advice is that from the age of 50 um you can request um a psa test which is simply a blood test it's very easy yeah, yeah take a blood test um there's a little bit of difficulty around it just because it's not a guarantee that as a result of having an enlarged prostate, you've got prostate cancer. So what you find can happen is you can get your results and have an enlarged prostate, then have to potentially go through an MRI scan and possibly a biopsy, um, which they kind of say for men, is it can be quite a, a full-on stressful process. So there is still a reluctance around it um, by... Like I say, you have to request it at the age of 50. But I think we have to remove that anxiety. We've got to remove that kind of feeling and taking control of our health is much more important than having to go through a period of a bit of anxiety around it when actually the anxiety, if two, three years down the line, you end up getting symptoms, which is something you could have picked up at the age of 50 and at the age of 53, you start having issues weeing, you're getting up in the night more often to wee, which is the, the, the primary symptoms that you would get. Um, by that stage, it could be too late. So in my opinion, and anyone over the age of 50 should really go to their GP and, and ask for that PSA test. And yes, you might have to go through some anxiety and you might need to go through a, a process, but I think it's damn sight 
better to do that than than be in a situation when when you do find out you're not in control at all so brilliant yeah that's great advice and then coming back to where you are in the future and let alone running in the, the jungle i guess that's what it was called um yeah where can people find out more about you what's going on how yeah, can they get connected to you to get inspired well the easiest stories? place the easiest place would be to go to my website which is uh, alcoholfreerunners.com or afrunners.com you can search for as well um you'll go to the website there you've got a big button on there which is join the community um so you it's free to join you just register on the website um to join that and then you'll get access into the facebook free facebook community there you'll be able to follow my adventures and what i do um yeah you can also find me on facebook under um i think andy delderfield alcohol free runners and on, and on instagram the same um so so you can find me there as well but the easiest place to really yeah follow me is to, is to come into the alcohol free runners community and you don't have to be alcohol free or a runner to be in that community space as in if you're alcohol free and you've never put a pair of trainers on in your life it's a lovely place to come and be inspired and to, to maybe be curious about how do you start a coach to 5k how can i get to 10k loads of information loads of uh, advice in there or come on one of our courses where you can join a group of like-minded people on an adventure where the connection is off the scale um yeah but the alternative is you could be a runner and you're you're curious about becoming alcohol free um exactly. as in how can it how can it improve my running um and again to come into a space where you feel that you're yeah, you're not alienated by friends or the things that you potentially experience in the real world a little bit. We're right now, friend. You can be in a group of people that get you, understand you, um, and and take you on a journey that you may never have expected to go on. So it's uh, yeah, it's a great place to come and, and hang out. Love so. it. And Andy, thank you for joining me today. The adventure will continue to grow and unfold, which I'm excited about to be a part of that adventure and see how that goes. And I'm sure we'll be back on before soon for uh, the fourth round of our little chats maybe after the uh the jungle adventure i think that'd be a good one okay well that's the jungle is is, is, is my plan in my 50th year so that'll be 2025 so perfect perfect yeah, there we go I love it nice. Andy boy top man keep shining the light you're an absolute superstar great work thanks andy thanks for everything some man for one man as they say what a story and it gets better and better and i think it's indicative of all of our stories, and you'll hear me say this a lot, we're just warming up. I really believe it. We are just warming up. Look at how Andy's life was transformed by that one decision to take a break from alcohol and follow that adventure and look at all the incredible places it's taken him, not only mentally, but physically, geographically, in his life, in his happiness, his health, his fitness. I mean, it's just so impactful. And that story is just unfolding, like my story is, like your story is. And I think that just gives us hearty bread for the journey that is this short and precious life. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please do me a favor, follow, subscribe, tell your friends about it, let people know in any groups that you're part of, please feel free to share any of the social media posts that we put out into the world because that makes a huge difference. And don't forget, do visit andyramage.com. There's loads of free resources on there for you to download in the world of self-development if you want to quit alcohol if you want to come and train with me most importantly as a coach and do what I do and do what Andy now does pretty cool thanks for listening in and I'll see you soon